1: State won Saturday, 22-10. to Now, they outscored Wisconsin 22-3 to after the 71-yard run by Jonathan Taylor. And, by the way, he's good. You know, it's really the first chance I've really had to see him in person because he didn't, you know, he's only a sophomore, for goodness sake, So he didn't play in the Big Ten championship game. Corey Clement with the Eagles did. Well, doggone. Uh, he's a good player. But Miles Sanders is just as good in a lot of ways. And Sanders had 159 yards rushing in the game. And I had a chance to talk with Ben Jones about the Nittany Lions and the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think really, you know, you can look at the Michigan game final score. You can look at some of these games and how they've unfolded, you know, in terms of late drives by opponents. But I think Penn State's defense has played pretty well this year. I think you look at uh, Wisconsin. Um, outside of that Jonathan Taylor long touchdown run you know Wisconsin certainly because they couldn't pass the ball Penn State you know was pretty much said here you're going to run we know you're going to run let's stop you and they have and I think you've seen over the past few weeks even against Michigan for three quarters really uh, Penn State defense that's been able to get the opponent off the field it hasn't always been right away it hasn't always been a three and out but they're finding ways to make plays and I think uh, especially on Saturday, you know, a lot of that you can thank the offense for finally converting on third down, moving the chains and moving the ball. Um, you know, they played a little bit of all control and because of that, Penn State's defense was fresher longer, um and, and was able to make those stops, especially in a game, you know, that comes at the end of a long stretch of being on the field a whole bunch against the Wisconsin team that much like Michigan, much like Iowa, is really a sort of punch you in the mouth, grinded out, cold. Big Ten kind of style of play. So I think because of that, you know, there's areas you can be critical of, but I think Penn State's defense has played pretty good. Yeah, what
1: did you think of the game plan, especially considering the conditions they played in? How smart was it the way they decided to play that game?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought they they did a good job, you know, with Trey's not making them run too much. There were a lot of sort of passes. They were getting the ball in K.J. Hamler's hand. Uh, once I got Miles Sanders going, you know, that we knew that that was going to be a weakness uh, for Wisconsin. Uh, Last week was an ability to kind of, you know, just pound the ball up the middle, uh, sort of give them a taste of their own medicine, if you will. And I think, you know, I I cannot. (laughs) I was talking to somebody in the press box how much I do not envy people who play football in extremely cold weather conditions. Because if you thought Trace's knee uh, hurt him a couple weeks ago, I'm sure every hit that he took in that, you know, Mm -hmm. 25 degree weather felt. Fantastic. So I think they did a good job doing the little things smart. I mean, it was not an overly complicated – I think Dave Jones was the guy who wrote that it was sort of vanilla. But they executed it, and they did a good job of it. And I think ultimately, uh, you know, you can have a very fancy game plan in the works, but if you can't do it, it doesn't really matter how good of an idea it might have been. I think he saw Penn State do a lot of the little things right, and because of that, and in large part because I was amazed that Wisconsin had any players left by the end of the game. Yeah, uh, you know that that they were able to come out and win. I think probably more decisively than that final score.
1: What have you thought of Miles Sanders? He's now over a thousand yards on the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, we've, we've talked about this before, the differences between him and Saquon, and he's probably rolling his eyes somewhere just because someone in State College said the word Saquon. He just has his spidey senses are tingling. Um, that, you know, the, the miles has just been very good about getting what's in front of him, getting what he can, getting those four or five yards. I think he's more elusive than he gets credit for. Uh, you know, he has not had the big, Saquon F plays the big sort of token uh, running back goes 40 yards plays, but I think he's been very consistent at what Penn State needs him to do, which is keep them on schedule, get him a couple yards, and I think uh, really when the line has given him holes, he's taken them and made the most of it. So I I think there's, you know, much like last year, there's a lot of factors into how many yards your running back gets any given carry, uh, but I think ultimately, you know, you look at the games when he's getting space, when he's getting holes, and he's getting help, uh, you know, Miles Sanders, for my money, is as good as anybody, or as consistent and effective as anyone in the Big Ten right now.
1: What have what have you thought about the uh, Jahan Dotson getting involved the way he has? Because obviously, he's playing out the rest of the way, and he has a starting spot now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at how he has played, and it, it's hard to describe without sounding dumb. But I think he just he attacks the passes. I think you see Dotson goes for that ball. He goes. Uh, to where it's going to be. He goes to where it's coming to, and he does it with confidence. And I think that's the biggest thing that this unit needs right now because no one's ever going to accuse K.J. Hamler of not being confident. But, you know, you drop a couple passes, you want a couple things back, and you, your shoulders are a little slumped. There's this, this sort of frustration that's going on. John obviously being hurt doesn't help, but even then, you know, he's been a guy that's sort of been up and down. So I think Jahan's been a, a player that goes in, plays with a lot of confidence, Um, And he's making the catches when he has to. He didn't do a whole lot on Saturday in terms of the box score, uh, but he had two nice catches. He made the most of his opportunities. And and ultimately, uh, you know, you don't really want any one player in your receiving core to carry you all the way. You don't want your running back or your quarterback. You just want guys to make the plays when they're called on, and Jahan Dotson, more times than not, has made those plays.
1: Detour Gross-Montos, in combination with Sharif Miller, Uh, what have bookend defensive ends meant to what Penn State wants to do defensively and I'll get to Robert Windsor in a moment who was the player of the week
2: yeah I mean I think obviously anytime that you've got two guys on opposite ends that can get to the quarterback and get into the backfield you've got a good situation and you know, it reminds me a little bit of not at all to take anything away from what Carl Nassif did, but that that defensive line that Carl Nassif was on was so good Yeah, if somebody had to not be covered or double-teamed, and Carl Nassif was that guy a lot, and, and defense is paid for it. So I think when you have Gross Matos and you've got Sharif Miller, you've got bookends there that you've got to respect both of them for their athleticism and their, their ability to get into the backfield. Then you put Robert Windsor in the middle, like you said, and, and you, suddenly you've got guys all across that line and it's a situation that you see across America with good defensive lines. You go, we can only stop so many, so many people. Who are we picking? And somebody, you know, is going to be the guy that's got a better advantage than the rest of them, and he's got to make that play. And so far, I think you've seen all three of them, especially last week. Uh, you know, when they're the odd man out, so to speak, they're they're making the most of that.
1: In the last three Penn State wins, in each one of them, Nick Scott has an interception. What are you seeing from the senior safety?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's just a guy that's. He, you know, he is being reliable. I don't think that anyone, you know, and I think Nick Scott is a great kid. I've always enjoyed talking to him. He's smart. He's articulate. He knows football, but you know, you write down a long list of all the best Penn State safeties of all time, and Nick Scott isn't going to be in your top 10, but he is going to be in your top 10 for guys that have just been around, that know how to play, that know, you know, when to be in the right place at the right time, and he's, he's led, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think in moments when they need someone uh to make a play you know he's been there to do it and and certainly you know there's a lot of things that play into that the Iowa game Iowa should have never thrown that pass in the right. first place so I can't right. claim that Nick Scott's divine <laughs> intervention forced that but you know at the same time there's something to be said for a guy who's there and catches the ball because we have seen you know teams throughout the years and not just Penn State just everywhere uh you know I think of the Eagles last night there was probably pick six in that game that got right. dropped And opportunities like that, you know, when they come, you've got to make those plays. And Nick Scott, to his credit, uh, has made that play just about every time.
1: Uh, When you watch this Penn State defense, you know, what are the areas of growth that you're seeing? Because you want your team, quote, to get better as the season goes. Where are they better?
2: Um, I think one of the places that they're better is that, and not to say that they were not trusting each other before, but I think they were doing a better and better job of doing their job. I asked James a couple weeks ago about some of the the fake, the special teams plays that had worked against them, against teams that they knew were going to run fakes and they knew that were going to do things tricky, and they saw them coming and they still worked. And he said, uh, you know, a lot of it is that you can identify things, but if you sort of over-pursue or do more than your job, you can get out of position. Because in high school, and, and just for an example, Michael Parsons, gonna be the most athletic kid on the field right. every time he steps on the field throughout high school. So he can get away with a lot of things that aren't necessarily fundamentally sound. because and we saw this in the non-conference uh, part of the play that that he can just make up for his mistakes in positioning with his own athleticism. You get into the big ten and, and those guys are going to be more and more athletic. they're going to, there are more Micah Parsons to go around and you can't do that. So I think what you've seen with some of these younger guys is they they've stuck to their assignments, they've stuck to their jobs. Um, They've been better at tackling in general. They've forced some of those turnovers. So I think you're just seeing them being more fundamentally sound, more confident, and frankly, you know, young guys, the more reps they get, the more they've seen, the more they know how to handle things, and and they've been able to handle it as the season goes along better and better because they're more and more familiar with it.
1: What do you think of Rutgers?
2: Uh, My opinion on Rutgers has not changed over the past six years. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, Rutgers is Rutgers. You know, I give them, I, I mean, I'm not trying to. Drag a bunch of guys that are trying hard. It's it's a tough spot. I mean, I think you know we both have a little empathy from watching the the growth that Penn State basketball has made over the years in the Big Ten Conference and how difficult it can be right. to be the guy at the bottom of that totem pole in you know the toughest or toughest uh, division in football or at least college football. So you know, I give them full credit for showing up every week and, and giving it their best.
1: What do you think of what the SEC does? They've got eight games on their conference schedule. It leaves them four openings, and several take advantage of it, of scheduling. For example, Alabama has the Citadel this week. UMass has Georgia this week. You're coming down the stretch of the college football playoff. Does that have any impact on you as to why the SEC does this?
2: Uh, well, I mean, until somebody you know doesn't pick the playoffs you know, based on it, or let me rephrase that, until someone says they shouldn't be doing it based on how these playoffs are picked, it's hard to argue with the method, certainly, I think. You know, there's always that two sides of the coin that you look at, you know, how Alabama plays against the SEC and you go, wow, they're really, really good. There's no doubt about that. And then you look at their non-conference schedule and go, you know, well, who are you playing exactly? And and that's supposed to be another part of that resume. And then it never seems to hurt them. So it's sort of two-sided. And I, I certainly don't blame people. Somebody was tweeting out a schedule from some random sec team 20 years ago and you look at it and it's just this who's who of college football you even think of when penn state was an independent and how they played just about everybody uh you kind of miss those days but until the equation works out and says that you have to play those games uh you know i don't blame alabama for taking a week off because at the no. end of the day i don't
1: blame know. i don't blame them for doing it because they're allowed to get away with it i mean yeah nobody penalizes them so, I mean, I don't blame them. They're being smart about it. The problem is the people in college football are not smart about it and don't penalize them.
2: Yeah, no, that's the tough thing. You really ought to be forcing the issue on some of these, these marquee games because I think everybody would like to see them. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Nobody's nobody's punishing them. and Until, until somebody does, there's no reason to shy away right. from it.
1: Ben, thanks so much. Appreciate your time.
2: Yep, Thanks for having me, Steve.
1: Ben Jones, statecollege.com. Matt Leon, final half hour coming up. And uh, we'll talk to him about the Eagles. The Eagles are in tough shape right now, Sean. They're four and five. And they're, have you looked at their schedule? Yeah, they got some big games coming up
0: for sure. Got the high, pl- hottest team in the NFL, the Saints. That's next up. And then heading I mean, into got, December. I mean,
1: They've got the Saints and then they got the Giants, which is like the Citadel for Alabama. <laughs> uh, and the uh and then they've got Washington. I know they've got them twice down the stretch. They haven't played the Redskins at all yet. So I mean there's an opportunity there, but the Redskins they're credit playing pretty well. Then they got Dallas again. And then they've got they have the Rams. <laughs> Uh, They have a tough road to hoe. I mean, to me, the goal has got to be to get to nine and seven. Nine and seven puts you in the neighborhood of getting to the playoffs, but they're not there. They're not there. I mean, you look at that schedule. How did they get to nine and seven? How do they find five wins with New Orleans? What are they? With they have seven games left, right? Mm -hmm. So they're what four and five. All right, So at 4-5, and five, let's say the Rams and the Saints end up being losses because they will not be the favorite in either game. Okay, that means they've got to win the other five. Giants, yes, that's a layup. Two Redskins, a Dallas, and who would be the other one that's in there? There's got to be another one in
0: there, right? I would think though there's probably a lot of Redskins fans who would think, hey, if we if we, if we end up nine and seven, we're in great shape. We'll make it into the playoffs easily, nine and seven, just with the other yes, competition. But, but, in but the
1: their division. their road to getting getting to nine and seven is much better. Yeah, they have to win three games to get to nine. They're six and three. But for the Eagles, okay, you got the Giants, you get Dallas again, you get two Redskins. Who's the fifth one that's in there? Eagles play the Houston Texans. See, and that game to me is a toss up. Even, the though Texans, even
0: though they're
1: six and three, the Texans are playing really well. The Eagles, yeah, I mean, it's not like the Eagles are <laughs> don't have any talent. They do, so that's why to me that game's more of a toss-up. But they would not be favored in the Ram game, and they won't be favored in the Saints game. Probably won't be favored playing in Landover. And I like the way the Redskins are playing. They're playing pretty good team football right now. Alex Smith is doing what he does. He's winning a lot of regular season games. And Adrian Peterson is reborn. He's reborn. What Adrian, Adrian Peterson is doing is amazing. Have you thought about that? What if, amazing, he, if he gets, Peterson, gets he, through this amazing. if
0: he gets through this season healthy, that'll that I'll be floored if that
1: happens. I am just I'm taken aback by how well he's playing. When they signed him, I thought, well, you know what? I thought, this is literally what I thought, okay, was, um, okay, he's an upgrade, but gee, you know, how, how much can he do?
0: How durable is he, you know, how durable is he for the rest of his career? Is he washed up? How much is left in the tank? But so far, so good. Right. But you would think Washington, they have to be all in with Alex Smith for a minimum of three years, just for the amount of money that they gave him.
1: Yeah. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's a no-show. Let's see. So Tim sent me an email about Dupree opposite Harrison, so you don't move him. You know, Harrison did nothing his last year. Last, Harrison has been there for a couple of years. I mean, did they think Dupree had mastered the spot over there? To be honest with you. I mean, I understand Tim's logic here. He's explaining why they did it. Why they kept Dupree over there and didn't flip flop him with Watt. Because he was there first and so forth. Yeah, okay, I understand that. But all you got to do is watch Dupree and realize he's uncomfortable in that old spot. At least now he looks like he knows he's supposed to be there. I mean, that's my, I mean, no offense, Steeler fans, but Watt's in his natural spot. Dupree is now in his natural spot where he feels better. Okay, wait, we didn't think about this the middle of last year? No? Okay.
0: And the secondary is playing a lot better, too, so he give Scrap a lot of credit hey, for coaching
1: them. Up. They, won, they made one big change.
0: That's right, 2-5. <laughs> 2-5, two five.
1: Two five, G-O-N-E. Okay. We'll come back more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK brought to you by Purdy Insurance.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's
1: Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care, it's 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf, where the suit could be king. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sumber, go to purdyinsurance.com. I should file a claim against my oak tree. <laughs> I went to get wood this morning. I've got this big gash on my head.
0: <laughs> a branch fell?
1: No. No, I got wood out and turned and smacked into the <laughs> into the limb. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, did the man. tree move? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. Uh, it was like, oh, you got. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, where's? I didn't see that tree there before. What? Oh, no, no. This is one of those where I've threatened to cut down the limb for years. Oh no, don't do that! It's the oak tree. I'm like, okay, oh, fine. Could have last
0: week, but you put the Christmas decorations up instead. So priorities. So next, next free shot you you get branch, gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I'm gonna go get a saw.
0: <laughs> Are you in the <laughs> wait? Hold on. Okay. Are you in protocol? Are we good?
2: What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what?
3: What?
1: Is that the suit in the background yeah, offering to fill into the bullpen?
0: Yes, yeah. He and Girardi yeah. tonight?
1: Or are you good? Yeah. No problem. I can throw as many innings as the team needs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> offer was there.
1: That's not funny. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh Matt Leon, KYW Philadelphia. Uh Matt, uh They got some trouble here right now. That was not a, that was not a good one last night.
3: Uh it's it's not just one thing and that's the problem. I think uh the Eagles are doing a lot of what happens when a team's just not good enough. Like last night in the first half, yeah. the defense was okay. You know, it wasn't superior. It wasn't superb, but it was okay and the offense just couldn't get it going. Then in the second half they finally get things clicking on offense and then the defense can't stop anyone. And you kind of when when teams are just good enough to not be good enough, you see that a lot and I think that's uh, what we have to kind of accept is what we're dealing with with this Eagles team right now.
1: Uh last year they were going along pretty well obviously with Carson Wentz at quarterback but then they did make the big move to get JJ. In other words I felt that that was them saying okay that one additional component can be enough to get us someplace. He's not there this year. Is that is is that, is is it forcing Wentz to do maybe more than he should be doing right now?
3: I don't know if it's so much forcing Wentz to do more. It's just that they really – the whole running game has kind of broken down. I mean, obviously Ajayi gets hurt. They let LeGarrette blunt walk, and I'm not really criticizing that move right. because, you you know, you kind of get it. But he was a big piece last year. And so you have that hole to fill. I kind of you kind of figured that Ajayi's role would expand to kind of include that time. So now you lose Ajayi. Corey Clement was huge last year. You know, yep. Corey Clement really emerged and as the number 3 back or 2A, however you wanted to look at it, he had a really big impact on a lot of games including the Super Bowl. He hasn't had nearly that impact now all of a sudden he looks like a kid that was undrafted you know just and he got hurt early in the year we who knows if he's all the way back healthy and he's trying to fight through some stuff that makes it look you know and he's not able to reach that uh that level so i mean really now the running back position is uh just kind of a a collection of guys you know you got clement who looks to be running at three-quarters speed josh adams the undrafted rookie has done a nice job but they don't seem uh anxious to really trust him with the gig. Yeah. And Wendell Smallwood gives you everything he got, but he's just a guy, you know, so right. that's what you're dealing with in the running back. So I don't know if if Wentz is so much overcompensating. It's just the the lack of a the, the the lack of a guy at running back I think just makes them easier to defend overall, if that makes sense.
1: No, it does it does make sense. And my point is is that maybe Doug's throwing so much on Wentz now because he knows he doesn't have that component. Uh, and now I look defensively. You mentioned like last night when they're playing good defense, they weren't cr- playing great offense. When they were playing pretty good offense, they weren't playing great defense. Why the defensive breakdowns on the unit last year that really did a good job of dominating a lot of teams?
3: Uh, you're, if I knew that, I'd probably be in the building <laughs> down in South Philadelphia right now. I mean, well, number one, you know, with Ronald Darby being lost for the year now with that torn ACL, hmm. four of your top five defensive backs are out. Now, they're going to hopefully get a couple of those guys back, uh, maybe Sidney Jones as quickly as this week. But uh, that's so you're asking a lot. You know, when you take, you know, two, three, four, five out of your depth chart, that's an awful big hole to fill. So that's a lot to do with it. Uh, but, you know, conversely, you know, they're pretty healthy in the front seven. And Ezekiel Elliott wasn't averaging nine yards to carry on the secondary. You know, they were getting ripped mm-hmm. apart by a Dallas offensive line that's kind of pieced together because of injuries at this point. Uh you know early on they got pressure on Dak prescott but in the second half Dak prescott was sitting back there and uh i know the announcers for nbc were were desperate to make the amari cooper move the move of the century but that's a pretty mediocre dallas receiving core and it just ran all over the eagles in the second half i i don't know i I really i don't have answers as to what what the the main problem is i think it's it's like a, a lot of things with this team. It's not the same thing all the time, and that's the biggest problem.
1: <laughs> and it doesn't get easier. They've got the Saints no. coming up next, Next, I mean, uh, coming up in what, uh, this Sunday? Sunday at 425. Yeah, and,
3: yeah, you know as well as I do. Like, this is one of those games you just look out on paper, and my goodness, is everything pointing in one direction. And usually yeah. when that happens, things don't quite play out like right. everyone expects them to. But, man, after watching that Eagles defense last night and seeing what the Saints have done week in, week out, let alone yesterday in Cincinnati, you just imagine a scenario where if the Saints wanted to, they could hang 80 on the board. Because yeah. down there, once if they get it cooking, they almost can't be stopped. So... Uh, this couldn't come at a worse time for the eagles i mean this was a game even when the schedule comes back comes out in june or whatever you look at and go all right that's going to be really tough that's probably an l but now it's kind of compounded by a factor of 10 because of where it stands and the the different directions the teams are going in uh it's going to take a herculean effort and more than a handful of breaks i think to win this one
1: They've got the Saints in New Orleans, then they host the Giants, then they host the Redskins, who are 6-3, and three, then they're at Dallas, and then they have to play the Rams in Los Angeles. Do the next five weeks define the season for the Eagles?
3: No, I think so. The way I look at it, they can lose to the Saints and they can lose to the Rams. And I still think if you get to 9-7, and seven, including two wins over Washington, I yeah. still think you can win the division. But you know, I there is nothing in this team's DNA that leads you to believe at this point they're capable of doing that. You know, I mean, it, it's four and five. It's been a struggle to, to get to four and five. You can easily we could go through the schedule and we could take two, three plays away. And this is a team that's looking at two and seven right now. Right. You know, they're much cl- they're much closer to two and seven than they are to six and three or anything like that. So I, uh, you know, I, I still don't think Dallas is very good. I think Washington has issues even though they're six and three. And, you know, the Giants are terrible, but Uh, there's nothing that leads me to believe that the Eagles are capable of beating all of these teams in succession uh, with the exception of the Saints and the Rams so I mean it's possible sure and they are still a champion and they didn't just you know forget how to win Uh, but I just, the way it's rolling right now and the way they're constructed right now I just don't know if it's possible
1: Is it tougher to watch Jason Peters in the twilight of his career?
3: Um, he wasn't, I didn't think it was, there were were a couple times the week before or the game before where you could tell he was early, you know, I didn't think that was the case last year. I think I look at it more of the idea of, you know, this is a guy who's, what, blown his Achilles out twice, now playing with a torn biceps, and yeah, maybe he's not playing at the Pro Bowl level, but he's still playing at a serviceable starting tackle level in the NFL at 35-36, and that's pretty impressive on its own right and like you know while he has him playing what people are used to when you look at the list of things that are that are issues right now i don't think he cracks the top 10 top 15 of the list
1: matt always a pleasure appreciate the time thank you sir What does it tell you that the suit moves into the play-by-play spot for, for Bucknell and the people at Georgetown have had enough and they cut the power?
0: <laughs> it was funny because I was listening to you and Jack and there was a timeout, so I go in the kitchen I fire up the, uh I fire up our WKOK app on my phone to catch up with the Bucknell game and there's Kevin and Matt and all of a sudden it's like it, the audio cuts off and I just hear this loud, I just heard a bunch of static and it's like... Because then no, the first was, thing I that, thought no, of
1: that that was still Kevin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well the first thing I thought of was we were having stream issues. So then I so then I go to WK so then I flipped in the ninety four KX app on okay, we got music there on all of our you know, on, on WKOK we're fine here. We got KX is fine, Eagle one oh is fine, the valley's yeah. fine, and then there's still static on Eagle and it turns out the power was out at the at the multipurpose complex. It's like ooh. Not good. And think, okay, someone tripped over the quarter. Okay, well, what's going on? Are they blame no, it on the construction. Construction is going on there at the complex. Is there? Blame it on that, or?
1: Uh, no. I just, I think it was personal. <laughs> 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 oh. He's Look, probably, thinking, uh,
0: he probably probably was going through his mind, boy. Steve doesn't have these problems during the game.
1: And I'm thinking, okay, well, he did have that little thing fuck. at Michigan State last year, but <laughs> no. But you know what? You you know, in, in all honesty, okay. And I, you know, all kidding aside, I've got that that part of of life. I have it made. I have to. I literally just have to walk into the booth and do my deal. I mean, Roger Corey and Jeff Tarman and Bob Taylor. Um, have everything set up. I don't, you know, if there's a problem, they're the ones that null the problem out. I don't have to. Now, I mean, do I take care of other things? Yeah. When they're not around, yeah. I'm the one that does the hoops club. I'm the one that does the quarterback club. I'm the one that, you know, goes out and makes the speeches and things like that. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, there's certainly a lot of other things that I do they don't do. I mean, I understand that. You know I'm there I was there getting the pregame with Patrick today and you know when I get back from Chicago at six thirty in the morning I'm gonna to have to go in and get get James for the pregame show i mean and and that's you know uh and that's part of the job but when it comes to the technical part, those guys take care of everything they take care of where the commercials are supposed to be they take care of the locker room set up. They take care of the sound and the mix. I mean, you listen to the mix when I mean, you play the highlights back, Sean. I mean, you hear, I mean, you hear pads popping and things like that. They take care of all that. Yeah. And you hear the ball actually being kicked. I mean, it's, you know, I, 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 you know, I think they do a great job. And so, you know, Kevin goes there. It's, it's Kevin and Matt, just the two of them. Well, now I'm sure they're sitting there. And they're horrified. Like, well, you know, because power outage, you can't correct that. So, I mean, I'm sure that had to be awfully tough. But I'm sure, you know, Matt worked extremely hard to get them back on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: Without question.
1: Is there a makeup game on December fifth or something? <laughs> We've
0: been told the season does not start for hoops until December the seventh. So,
1: exhibition game.
0: <laughs> that's true. Scrimmage. Maybe that's yeah, true. A scrimmage, yeah. Wednesday scrimmage. Na- Wednesday night scrimmage in the field house. There you go. Who's, co-
1: who's coaching these guys again? <laughs> I just I just want to make one quick phone call. Help me out here. <laughs> yeah oh well,
0: so it turns out when the power went out during the game, Matt was on the sidelines at the time, and Kevin was solo in the box
1: uh so what, is it was near the end of the half
0: uh it's probably it was round oh, it was, around, or, it was uh, around quarter of one, ten of one, so it was probably late first early second
1: so they so does kevin when kevin does early the games when course. Kevin does the games with doug is how much is Kevin in the booth, and how much is he on the sideline?
0: Uh, let's see. Well, back in September, I hung out with them for about a half, and I think it was around the five-minute mark. It Was around the five-minute mark of the second quarter is when he went down. He made his way oh, out okay. of the box and down to okay. the field to uh, make sure he was at the right spot to get Joe before he heads off to the f- locker room at halftime. So,
1: okay, all right, yeah. okay, okay. So that's why I was wondering why Matt would be out at the end of the first quarter on the field.
0: Must have been later on in the. Yeah, it was a fast-moving game, so they must have been yeah. must have been halfway through yeah, the yeah, second I'm- then.
1: Yeah, must have been. Uh, the uh, I hope those kids went on senior day. I I cannot begin to tell everybody how much I like and respect Joe Susan. Uh, he's you know what if if uh, if I had a son that was an FCS level player and he recruited my son, it would be a pri- It would be a privilege to look at my son and tell him that you know you should sign with this guy. He'll take great care of you. And so will the school so.
0: yeah it's a big week for Joe and the team, and you could tell even this afternoon at the uh, yeah. uh football club luncheon i mean this uh it's it, it means a lot to uh, not just the players but to Joe as well it really Sure does. it
1: does. Yeah. of course it does you know you want to get this thing where you head into the off season on a high note where you feel good about everything and that's why I, these you know everybody say like, oh there's too many ball games I don't know you know what a, winning a bowl game does winning a bowl game like really gets the juices flowing in the winter program, and everything like, hey, everybody feels good. You come back from the, the trip, you won. Yeah, you know, and, you know.
0: Yeah, P.J. Barr, one of the offensive linemen, he's a sophomore, and he said, hey, there's two guys on my line that are seniors, and we got to win this for them. Yeah.
1: The, uh, I'm, um, so you were at Maddie's today. Yes. Doug was at Maddie's tonight. Sure. Need I ask? Oh,
0: Kev, Kev was there. hmm
1: Autograph table. Uh, no. Glad handing table. The table.
0: No, stayed put at our table.
1: Steady flow of people coming up to them.
0: Uh, kind of trickled off rather fast.
1: Oh, good. Okay. It was an average day. All yes. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
0: That's uh, it, hit not it, funny. it hit its peak back in September. So, you know, I
1: mean, <laughs> this is week I mean, ten. I mean, is it bad that when he gets up to talk to, to Coach Susan at one point, he tries to sell him digital media? Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Joe's an old school guy. You know. yeah, yeah, Joe is an
1: old school guy. He yeah. is. <laughs> and then Penn State plays at Rutgers. That's noon three uh, thirty. Twelve. Uh, let's see noon ten thirty. The airtime. Then Maryland's three thirty. Two o'clock. The air time. Then What the SEC is doing this week is, and it's the same story, I know it's the same refrain I give every year, but I'm going to keep harping on it until something changes. And the responsibility belongs to the college football playoff committee. They have got, you know, the college football playoff committee does not put rankings out until November 1st. So from November 1st, Through November 30th is the only time they rank teams. In that time, everybody's playing Power Five teams except for Alabama and Georgia. Okay. Now, Michigan may not be playing a world beater this week, but they're playing Indiana. Okay. Clemson's playing a conference game with Duke. Again, is Clemson a prohibitive favorite over Duke? Yes. Is Michigan a prohibitive favorite over Indiana? Yes. But what Duke, uh, what Georgia and Alabama are doing is just comical. Well,
0: it's, now, like it's, ben, gonna, it's like what Ben Jones says. like, Who would step in to stop it?
1: The college football playoff committee is the one. That, remember, the college football playoff committee lost control of the narrative. Okay? They lost control of it back in when they let Washington in that one year, when their toughest non-conference game was Rutgers. I mean, that's when they lost control of it, where they basically said non-conference means nothing. You're
0: listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the
1: world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.